0: Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.
1: Hi everybody. AJ Odell, CEO and founder of the Athletic Scholarship Corporation, found on the web at www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com and collegeshowcases.com. Today I have a special guest, the head uh, lacrosse coach for the University George Mason University, women's lacrosse coach. Has a vast uh, career here, obviously as a D1 player, and is this this will be your eighth year? Correct, coming up here, Coach Morgan. Coaching. Correct.
2: Or at George Mason. No, possibly coaching. Coaching, coaching correct. Yes, yes, yeah,
1: yes, So, just to real quick, the disclosure for NCAA folks and your SID folks: in no fashion is Coach Jesse Morgan endorsing any service or product. This is strictly for educational purposes, for use with coaches, uh, high school players. And w- with that said, we got that out of the way. Welcome to the show, Thank Coach you. Morgan. <laughs> Always got to get yeah, that out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't get me in trouble. <laughs> I, I know. So I, I know recently um, you, you guys are doing really well at George Mason. You've, you've got that program really at a record pace. Um, talk about your, 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 let's start with as a player um, back at Virginia, correct? Yeah. How was that for you as a, as a prospect and a recruit? How was that process for you? What sticks out to you, you know, looking back?
2: Uh, I think it was, you know, the best choice for me. I'm very happy with my uh, choice in university. I think academically and athletically it was a a good fit. I wanted to go to a school where I had an opportunity to win a national championship, and, you know, that's what we did. And I got to play in three more championships. So, you know, I I think it was a great fit athletically, and the location and everything worked for me because, you know, I'm just a – little girl from Baltimore that wants to go away, but not too far away. So
1: Yeah, work. and I know that Baltimore market very well. We have an office out there and deal with a lot of different prospects. And um, you also coached at Virginia. Did you coach immediately when you were done with your career as a, as a student athlete, or did you go on the Howard first?
2: Uh no, I went to the real world. I was in HR for a while, <laughs> Uh-oh. and I didn't even know what HR was when I got the job. So that wasn't exactly the best fit. If you know me, <laughs> you would know that HR probably isn't the best fit for me. But um, I did that, and it wasn't bad. You know, it was a job. I got to do things that I wanted. I got to see, you know, the country. I'd go to LA for the weekend and New York on the weekend. But you know, somebody at Howard called me and. I really fell in love with that. You know, I was commuting every day from Baltimore to D C for two and a half years. Tough ride tough ride. Yeah, tough ride I would say. But I loved it. You know. I I wouldn't have changed those. I think a lot of what I did back then and even in my playing career obviously has shaped the way I coach and, you know, mentor players today. So
1: What's what's the difference for you or what what adjustment did you need to make? Being a coach versus a, a player?
2: I think that I've always kind of been coachy. I mean, you know, I grew up like I have cousins. I was, I'm an only child, so all I have is cousins. But like I'm the bossy cousin. Like <laughs> like I've always been telling people, kind of like you know what to do to a fault. <laughs> so um, even when I was you know a senior at Virginia, I was the captain, and I'd come up with game plans. You know, I remember when we were playing Georgetown, and I'd have all their plays written down on a piece of paper. You know, I'm handing them out for the, the scout, and this is kind of like, I'm, I am was right at the edge of when people started really getting into film and, you know, things like that, so I, I did a lot of scouting and mm-hmm. not necessarily coaching, we had very good coaches at Virginia, I didn't have to coach, but I was always informed, I thought I, by the end of it, I saw the game pretty slow, you know.
1: Yeah, and, so. you know, it, lacrosse is, is a different, um, different situation than when I was, you know, in. In high school, back in the 90s, lacrosse was always coined as, in my community, kind of the rich person sport. And how has that changed? I know playing and coaching now, and, and I know in a minute we're going to talk about your involvement as a speaker with U.S. lacrosse and, and just trying to develop the game more. What what are you seeing in, in, as far as differences in growth of the game and, and contributing to that?
2: Um, I would say that it's still uh, an affluent, type sport you know it's focused it's concentrated in areas where you know people have opportunities educational opportunities or Mm -hmm. you know economic you know different things available to them so um, I'm fortunate to be from Baltimore where you kind of have it's a special place where you have really both sides of the coin you know you have people that are very 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 wealthy and then you have some people that are you know much less fortunate and you know lacrosse is something that i think could bind those two things together and create a lot of opportunity for a lot of young people in baltimore and i think that that opportunity isn't being fully explored so that's kind of my platform when i speak and what i try to tell kids that i meet that are football players or basketball players i try to really convey to them how awesome of an opportunity lacrosse could give them so
1: yeah, you do see a different segment now. I mean, you go to any, you know, I'm, I'm here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we see different demographics walk of life, but they're all coming together in that sport, and it's not what it, it's developed dramatically then from the 90s and what I saw, you know, being a, a student athlete. Now, looking at coaching, going into your eighth season, have you seen difference in the recruiting process or maybe technology's helping or what, what's helped you or what difference have you seen over the last few years?
2: Um or not. <laughs> I don't think there's been
1: enough change.
2: Yeah, like you know, obviously, um, I don't know, I guess this is a podcast so you can't really tell if I'm, you know, brown or brown skinned or light skinned or whatever, you know, but I'm a little black girl from Baltimore and there weren't that many little black girls when I played and there's still not that many little black girls, you know, out there when I'm recruiting or you know, I can go to a tournament and not see one or, you know, any Asian girls or any, you know, anything. I'm not even worried about, like, black, like, where are the Native American girls? You know, like, wh- when are we going to get them involved in the game? And just, I- I'm a huge advocate for diversity of all kinds. So um, I think that sport really lacks that. And I cannot really put my finger on why.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and maybe it is an economic issue. Some of it I know in dealing in soccer recruiting, we see, a, you know, a, a difference of people going into the tournaments and investing so much money in those resources and, and having those, you know, tournament camps. And, and lacrosse does have that. I mean, it's very expensive for those parents out there, you know, trying to get what they think is recruiting help and going to these different showcases. And it, it gets very expensive. Uh, and it, it gets tough for some people from different walks of life. And, you know, yeah. when you recruit, what are the – and I know there's more than three, but I always ask for three. What are the three top traits you look for in a student athlete while you're you're – you know, recruiting them?
2: Yeah. Uh, speed, size, and heart. That's it. <laughs> you know, like, it's speed, period, the end of story. You know, mm-hmm. you can't teach it. I'm not that fast, but, um, nor am I very big, but, you know, I make up for the other things that I lack in, you know, my passion for the game and my pursuit of the ball, so I would call that heart. So, what if a kid has... A lot of one of those things, maybe not necessarily size, like being six foot seven in lacrosse really isn't a great attribute like for women's lacrosse, right. but um the combination of size and speed is a is a death sentence to, to team, so you know I'm always looking for a kid that has that combination of size and speed and then a real good drive for the ball, you know, really wants the ball, wants the ball in their stick, you know willing to take hits for it, things like that so that's what I'm looking for.
1: Let's talk about scholarship levels. And I've dealt with some really top end players. Some that went to Oregon, different universities. And one of the complaints of the parents is that you know, obviously in football, it's a different sport. Division one, you're getting a full ride or nothing in most cases. And and a lot of the revenue comes from basketball and football. How do you deal with with those scholarship limitations and those budgets in your recruiting plan?
2: Um, I've been. Fairly fortunate at George Mason. Um, I mean, I'm a coach. I like to put everybody on something. You know, I, I'm. I think it's a like a relationship. Coaching and being a player, it's a, like a relationship. You know, we're married to each other when you're here, and it's not a take take relationship. I'm not just trying to take the talents from the players and not give them anything in return. So, you know, everybody's on something here for the most part. And um, so that means I expect something from you. You know, you're not able to just take, you know, you're on 60 70%. You're not just taking, you know, you need to give something back to the university or to the program that's kind of like invested in you. So it's really, you know, a transaction that we have and it's a relationship that we have that shouldn't really be based upon just the money because sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, you can really put a lot of investment into a kid, and they're just not that, you know, not really that good. And that shouldn't really, I don't want that to change or warp the relationship. I I just want it to be everybody give what you can give kind of thing.
1: That's a great perspective, because I always tell in in our mentoring mission with parents and student-athletes that this is business, and they're they're compensating you at some level, and it's your education, and you should treat it as one of your largest interviews in your life, and it is one of your largest interviews in your life, because it's going to really mold who you are, where you go to school.
2: Yeah. I mean, picking your university isn't just like a four-year commitment. It's it's a lifetime commitment. It's a 40-year commitment. That's what I try to say. It's what you're going to, you know, all your friends at your wedding are coming from here. These are the people that, you know, you're going to talk to for the rest of your life about what they're doing. And this is where you're going to bring your kids and tell them that, you know, mommy played at George Mason. So it's not just four years that you have to think about. This is going to be on your resume forever. So um, it, it's an important decision that you should kind of take time and think about and think about what type of transaction or investment you want to make into it.
1: What would be your best advice to a student athlete in preparing to maybe connect with you or be recruited by any, any university? What, what would you think would be some key points to focus on in you know, getting ready for that process?
2: I think when you do know something is for you or, you know, you really want to go to a school, I think that should be how you attack it, you know. If you pursue and call and email enough, you know, you'll get through. And I've seen kids go to schools that maybe they really weren't even that great or maybe not that level, but because they were so passionate and had such a drive and a commitment to that university, the coach might give you a chance. You know, I don't want kids that don't want to go here. I'd rather have a kid that lives and breathes George Mason and that I can mold into a lacrosse player than somebody who's kind of on the fence. So every now and again, I'll get a kid that just won't stop calling. You know, that comes to every clinic, every camp, runs hard, you know, has a smile on her face every day, and I tell myself, you know, I'd take 10 of those kids over some kids that I've seen, you know, so... So I think just being really passionate about uh, what you want and going after it.
1: Would you rather respond and talk to a parent about the student athlete or talk to a student athlete directly?
2: Are we talking about are they already here or are they recruiting?
1: Yeah, they're in the recruiting process. They're interested in your university and, and mom or dad calls and, and they're pitching their, their child. Would you rather talk to the parent or the student athlete in that process?
2: I think it's important to really talk to both, you know. I think it's important that parents feel comfortable in, you know, if I, if I have a young daughter, I, I, w- I want to be able to feel comfortable that my daughter's going to somebody that I can have a conversation with but that is going to, you know, be her mentor and, and guide her when I'm not there. So I like to talk to parents and kids. I like to get the whole perspective because you can learn a lot by how they interact together or, you know, how they work independently. When you have a conversation with a parent, you can tell what they're kind of giving to their daughter. You know, what type of instruction or tutelage they're giving their daughter. And when you talk to a kid, you know kind of what their parents are talking to them about. So I like the full picture. When recruiting, I want the whole thing. Not just recruiting the, the person, we're recruiting the family. Right. You know, I, yeah, so I think it's important. When communicating, I like to hear the kid. I don't want the parent to kind of overstep the kid. I want it kind of like 50-50 yeah, because, if I could. Yeah, but because
1: you have to assess can they make it on their own. And, and, and right. I, I call it getting off the umbilical cord. There's obviously another term we won't say for political correctness, but right, you know they've right. got to be able to separate themselves and survive on campus without mom or dad. And, and that's yeah. that's great advice that, you know, talking to both. Now let's talk about social media. It's a huge thing we talk about. We have kids that use it right, kids that use it wrong. Have you ever or your staff kind of looked at a prospect and said, I want to check every box, but then I get to social media and it's a big turnoff. I've got to walk away. Have you ever dealt with that?
2: I haven't. Okay. I'm not. I mean, at UVA, I think uh, the program there, the a huge part of – how kids flourish there under that um, style of coaching is we were allowed to kind of make our mistakes. You know, we weren't micromanaged. It was, okay, if you want to work hard and be national championships, then you kind of have to take responsibility for that. But if you don't, you know, that's, that's you. That's on you. So I like to kind of give that kids that freedom they come to college to kind of learn to make the right decisions so I don't like to micromanage that do I micromanage some things? absolutely you know I'm a coach I'm a crazy coach like everybody else (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I do like for them to make their own mistakes and I'm here to catch them when they fall or I'm here for them not to fall too hard you know I'm here to catch you before you fail out (laughs) things like that
1: so you believe in second chances
2: Absolutely, I think that young adults are built to make mistakes, and I've seen so many really great kids you know because of pressure or because of you know a bad decision make make a mistake and that's human you know you're that's a human you gotta give kids a second chance for sure
1: yeah i've sure. I've had some prospects over a thirteen year career in this recruiting that you know, the high school coach or the ads just really, it's hard it and feathered a kid for a mistake. And it's like, coach, you know, we did the same things. We just didn't have the media, right. the mobile phones, with the video, and so many outlets to catch you. You can't get away with anything anymore because there's always a set of eyes on you. And I think a lot of times yeah. high school coaches lose sight on that, that they are, you know, under totally different amount of pressure than I can imagine. I can imagine growing up, going to high school right now with just the distractions and social media and and all those things. I I think it's a a big challenge for these kids today.
2: Yeah, you got to just teach them, mentor them, hope that they make the best decision, you know, but sometimes they're not going to and you need to be prepared for that. And and that's how it goes. I, I think about it like if a mother or a parent tells a kid to make their bed or clean their room, you know, they're not going to make it as well if they want to clean it or make their bed on their own. <laughs> I want them to want to do it. So that's kind of how I try to shape it, for sure.
1: That That's HR speaking right there. It's your, We already made a decision. It, we're going to make you feel like you made it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that type of manipulation is <laughs> no, what, no. what we're doing,
1: for uh, sure. Talk about challenges. What would be looking back as a high school student athlete your toughest challenge? And it could be as a student or an athlete. What what sticks out for you looking back, and you say, "My back's against the wall. And how am I going to get through this?" I, we've all had them. Oh God,
2: I that was so long ago. I mean, I I was a late bloomer academically, I'd say. <laughs> I didn't really. I, I'm such a sports minded you know person. I just felt like in high school, academics was just in the way, you know, just let me play basketball all day, you know, and I, and I didn't take advantage, I, I feel bad that my mom ever would ever have to hear this, but I didn't take advantage of the academic opportunities offered to me, but once I got to UVA and I kind of got to really dive into, you know, subject matter that I was passionate about, mm-hmm. I figured you know, it made a huge difference. I turned around, you know, like, I'm Dean's, I was Dean's list at UVA, for God's sake, like, I was never Dean's list in school. <laughs> so, it, it was just, you know, I wish, I wasn't mature enough to handle it at the time, you know, and I just wish I had maybe a little bit more of a push of somebody to ma- help me mature, but I don't even know, you know, some things. They just have to happen when they happen. You can't force it. So it happened when it happened, and it's better late than never. So it worked out.
1: <laughs> How about toughest challenge in college student or, or, or an athlete? What, what sticks out on that question? Uh-uh. <laughs> athlete. I felt like I was going to die out there
2: some days, you know. Just, like, pushing yourself. Like, I, I would – I remember – I tell the girls, like, I lost my soul on a turf field in Charlottesville, you know, just where it's just hot and you're running. But, like, at that same time, I, like, it was, like, freeing. You know, I realized exactly how far I could push myself, so then I, like, never looked back. You know, I, I I saw what it felt like to push past the point where you think you can't go anymore, and that's really what I try to coach. You know, like, kids think, oh, no, I can only do 10 of these, or I can only lift this four times, you know, but you can really do 50, and you can really lift it, like, 60 times. So it's just pushing people past the point that they, they're comfortable, and working in that, like, uncomfortable space is what I learned at Virginia, and I think it's, It's really helped in a lot of different facets of my life other than athletics.
1: At at our agency here, we hire former athletes or military because we know, know you have thick skin. You've seen some tough stuff. And me personally, when I was being recruited and I ended up picking a school, I always had a military guy in the Marines every day at lunch buy me an extra food or try to get me to go to the Marines. I said, no, I'm, I've got a football scholarship. I'm going to move on. Then I got to school, and we started two-a-days, and we started running that 98-degree weather, and I thought, I wish I joined the military. I actually thought that. Right. Um, so I don't, you know, exactly. if, if, you know, listeners, if you think it's going to be easy when you get there and you're going to start right away and it's, it's a, you know, you could be the top player at high school, and it's a different world when you get to the college level, totally. Uh, you know, the- oh yeah, there's
2: nothing to prepare these kids. I try to tell them like, <laughs> this is going to be totally different. You're not going to be prepared, and you're not. But you can try. They can try. But it's just a m- different mental game, different physicality, different speed. So, the, but the, if you're a competitor like me, you love it.
1: Yeah, and you, it- know,
2: you love that.
1: So you have ten kids, and you recruit them. And recruiting's not a science; it's it's a gambling game. It always will be. Out of the ten, which, which ones do you really think that hey, I'm going to have three or seven that are going to just make it? They're going to. Is there a number to that? The number that I focus on is the tenth.
2: I think the tenth mm-hmm. girl, the last girl of that recruiting class, to me, always is the best because she comes in with a chip on her shoulder. Now, I, I'm a, co- I'm tough. I, I make the girls work really hard, and just that passion that I'm talking about comes through in that tenth girl. That, that's, that's what I, I wish I could make them all the last recruits.
1: So, so everybody <laughs> should they're they're call you and just say, "Am I number 10? Exactly, like literally,
2: <laughs> yeah, at some point they're all the, the last one until I see another kid, you know, Yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah I like the, I, I played with a chip on my shoulder, you know, that I think that got me through a lot of just, I wanted to prove to people that I belonged at Virginia and that I can be a good coach and you didn't believe in me and I'll show you and just, you know, I ran every day with that. Every day, which is healthy and not healthy.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Pre- internalized pressure. Now, t- toughest challenge as a coach, and I'm sure you've got plenty of those, um, what do you face right now that you look at and go, just this coaching, this is the toughest thing to have to deal with?
2: Um, I think building confidence in people. You know, the C word is uh, banned. I try not to use the confidence word because it's just, you know, can't touch it. it's not very tangible, but build that some girls are just i think you know it's society it's they have they lack such confidence they talk about themselves in terms that they would never have anyone else talk about themselves in those terms. you know I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm ugly, oh. no, they would not never allow anybody to say those things to them, but they will openly say them about themselves, you know, and just teaching them how to you know, use their mental power and their mental strength and being articulate and being confident and independent. That's the hard part. Lacrosse, putting a ball in a goal is easy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it it's teaching them everything else about when you're not on the field how to carry yourself. That's, that's hard.
1: So for the listeners, the, the student athlete, the young ladies, and even the guy lacrosse players and the parents, what do you – what do you suggest they do as far as training, or, and maybe it's some camps or clinics? What, what's your, your kind of your recipe for success when it comes to getting ready or training? What do you, what do you like to see or, or advocate?
2: I think play as many sports and do as many different activities as you can. I think that a lot of my expertise comes from different sports. I, I pull as much from volleyball as I do from, you know, tennis. Mm -hmm. As I do from basketball, as I do from lacrosse is such a small piece of what I coach with every day. A lot of what I do or teach comes from different sports about defensive stance or breaking down your feet or concepts and theories or basketball and football theories. So if you you don't know what a pick and roll is, you're going to have a hard time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. In in my offense, you know, if you don't know how to set a pick or a slip cut, you're you're gonna really be confused for many years. It's gonna take you <laughs> a long time to catch up. You know, if you don't know what a cornerback is or a wide receiver or a tight end, you know, I use those terms, so I need I I would like it if players were more well rounded with athletic terms and and theories and terminologies.
1: And that's great advice because we always get parents saying, you know, my, my son or daughter, they really want to play this sport in college, and we think we're going to abandon track and basketball and focus on this. And our advice is do everything you can while you're young because as you get older, you're going to have those responsibilities and be tied down to certain things. So while you have that opportunity, embrace it, learn different athletic movements, and and obviously there's a mental game to athletics. And I think it's great advice. I do hear some coaches saying, I like to have our guy just buried or our girl buried in that sport and committed to it. And it's nice to hear someone with a like opinion on that because a lot of parents go the wrong direction. And, you know, it doesn't work out. Maybe they're a better track athlete and you're forcing them to be a basketball player. Do both and see how it works out. That's
2: right. I mean, I'm definitely not a lacrosse player. You know, it's not, (laughs) it's not, not what I was born to do. I was born to be a basketball player. I was just not gifted to be six two. So, <laughs> I I my mind is basketball. My heart is basketball. But you know, my brain has shifted to lacrosse. I think that that's what gives me an advantage over everybody. Awesome. Is that I think a complete. You know, basketball is a much more developed sport. Lacrosse is like just getting here. Like. People are just developing tactics to beat a zone defense or a midfield ride. Like, people have been full-court pressing forever. There's a billion different types of presses. So, you know, I kind of live in that space, and I think that's what kind of gives me a, a slight competitive edge over a lot of people.
1: And I always like to end the segment, and I'd greatly appreciate your time and advice for our listeners, but I always end the segment what we call Championship Moments. So we'll start with high school. What was your championship moment? And I know you said it was a long time ago but it really wasn't. Um, what would be it a championship really was. <laughs> No it wasn't. <laughs> no it wasn't. Um, so what would be a championship moment for you in high school that you look back and go, That was just a great memory?
2: Uh I was really good at volleyball in high school. <laughs> That's what I miss. I miss just being, you know, the best I was a setter. I don't know, this is this a lacrosse blog or any kind of sport.
1: It's we do every sport, so we're just talking sports. Okay, good. Yeah, like it's
2: setting is like you're the quarterback. You know, I could put the ball wherever, and it was just like the best sport ever. I loved volleyball in in um high school. It was the best thing that I've ever done. It's still probably the best sporting experience that I've ever had.
1: Wow, that's that's a good one. Now, how, I know. How about college championship moment?
2: Uh we came back against Duke. Uh, when we were down by 10 in the second half in the final four, that was a pretty good day. That <laughs> <laughs> was a, a great day. It was right? probably the <laughs> biggest comeback in NCAA history at the time. I think it's crazy.
1: I remember seeing that the clips on it, and uh, yeah, it was a was a big deal. It was all over every sports talk. Was you know just you know yeah. riding that one out. Well, how about, how about the
2: whole about? thing was crazy? Yeah.
1: And that's I mean okay. congratulations obviously on it and and in coaching what's what's the championship moment uh, that's a, probably the toughest question because I know you've had a few
2: um I mean I've had some pretty good moments uh with the team you know at George Mason that maybe won't can't be just expressed in like a game mm-hmm. but just in I'll be watching and I'll know how hard it or how long it took for a kid to do something, and then they execute it in a game. You know, like little things, just maybe a kid getting on the field are really good moments for me, and just uh, that's why I coach, you know. Those little moments where a kid gets to play, or maybe I bench a kid and give another kid an opportunity, and she does really well, like that, that really feels good, so I like those moments.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's obviously passionate. Um, Now, in closing, if a student-athlete or, uh, you know, let's say student-athlete or high school coach wants to connect with you and send either a link to film or or start that recruiting process, what's the best way? Is it phone, email, or is it Twitter? How do you like to digest that information?
2: Uh, (laughs) Or mail? Email's probably the best. Yeah. (laughs) Not Twitter. I mean, you can tweet, but... Probably not.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't tweet. It, it gets buried. <laughs> and I tell kids it gets buried. I mean, it's just an electronic yeah. bucket. So shoot you an email. Um, what would be the best yeah. email address for your recruits to send? And maybe it's you know, it goes to your office and you guys start the process. Do you want to share that email? That's cool. <laughs> I have uh, my Mason email is
2: jmorga twenty three. People think that I picked the twenty three but I didn't. It's just fate. So it's J M. O. R. G. A. twenty three at gmu.edu
1: Coach Morgan I greatly appreciate your advice and it was great talking with you today about numerous things volleyball basketball and lacrosse
2: Yeah well thank you for giving me the opportunity I really appreciate it
1: Alright thank you and you have a great day and I'm sure we'll be in
0: touch. thanks for tuning in to the yeah. Athletic Scholarship Sports Corporation, Corporation Radio, Network. Radio Network heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.